Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. That, that's the most important thing, because you think about this in perspective, that if you have an NFL Hall of Fame career, Hall of Fame, if you play 10 years, you're going to be 33 years old and retired. And what, what are you going to do now? You know? And uh, so you, you got to have that degree. And that's that's uh, that's what I want them to go get beyond football. I could care less how many snaps they get. So welcome to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor. And today I have another special guest I have. Uh, coach Todd Breland with me today. Uh, coach Todd Breland is currently the coach at South Jones High School, um, but I got to know him really when he was the coach at Laurel High School, uh, championship Laurel Golden Tornadoes uh, back in 2014. So, hey, welcome to the show, Dr. Bre- I mean, coach Breland. Uh, Dr. Breland's fine. He's- hey, yeah, Dr. Breland worries. Like you say, you throw in that white coat and you, you deal <laughs> patience. And you tr- <laughs> so we'll just start off with that. I remember one of the first times, you know, I heard from you, a player got injured and you splinted them on the sideline and sent them to my office. And they came in with like two magazines and maybe uh, some shoestring or something, but it was doing the job. <laughs> you use what you have, man. You definitely use what you have. All right. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. And uh, this is a special topic we're going to discuss today. But at first, let's get into your kind of coaching background. How long have you been in high school coaching? Uh, 28 years. So, 28. and, and uh, fortunate that 24 of those years have been in Jones County. So this was, this is home. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first got to town, I remember I came out, I think it was a seven on seven scrimmage and they were, you know, they brought the camera crew out. They were trying to film some commercials. Um, and a few minutes into that scrimmage, your star wide receiver dislocates his finger. <laughs> Octavius. So, yeah, Octavius Cooley dislocates his finger in practice. Okay, I'm like, all right, here's this four-star recruit. You know, this is the, the man on the team, and he's injured, and I'm just supposed to be here filming. So, all right, let's go. Let's go to work. So, got the finger reduced. Everything went fine, and the rest is history. Uh, but I remember that day, after the scrimmage was over, you called the team up at midfield, and you introduced me, and you said, this is Dr. Burgess. You know, he's coming in from Cincinnati, yada, yada, yada. He is your doctor. And, you know, that was a special moment because you don't always get that kind of support and buy-in from a coaching staff. And that makes the difference. So, you know, I'm very grateful for that. And, you know, you've always, we've had a special relationship since that moment. And, you know, I'm really thankful for you as a coach. And I'm thankful for you to be around young men and, you know, the character and everything that you show with them. Well, I, I want to reciprocate that because it's not every day that you have a medical professional that'll give up his personal time or whatever whatever's needed to take care of a young man or woman in our area. I mean, you've you've gone beyond above and beyond all that. So we, we appreciate having you around. Absolutely. And it's always fun. You know, I think I don't know how all these kids end up with my number. I remember you said that. You know, it's kind of unusual that the coach had my number and then one player gets it and it seems like they just spread it to everybody. You just I get didn't, these. <laughs> I didn't do it. Yeah, 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 you get these random calls. But anyway, well, all right. Well, let's talk about, so currently you're at South Jones High School. Um, but like I said, we're talking today a lot about the Bricks and the Laurel legacy. And just call to talk to us about uh, Between the Bricks, the stadium, the all-Bricks stadium. Talk to us about that. 
Well, it's just a special place, man. When you walk out there on Friday night, realizing that stadium's been there for a hundred years, and and all the people that have been on it, all the great players and great games that's been played out there. I mean, it's you know when you step back and look at the history and tradition of Laurel, to be a part of that and, and to be part of that history now, it's it's humbling, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade one day for it, and I'm grateful for the the time I had there. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, also the caliber of players, you know, I've traveled several different States watching high school, college, professional, um, football, but the caliber of play, especially when I first got here was impeccable. I mean, you guys were spread offense. You had big receivers all over the field. You had a quarterback with a big arm. Um, and it was very rare that a ball even touched the ground, um, at that time. So you get spoiled by that. You do, and, and and to be honest, that starts in the peewee leagues in Laurel. And uh, if you if you talk to those those young men now, you know they don't just talk about their high school days; they talk about spring league days. They're they're proud of that heritage, and and they uh, they play hard football down there, and they train them right, and they get them ready for the high school level. Yeah. So, what is football? Let's talk about what football means to Laurel and to Jones County. Pride. It's a, it's a sense of pride, and I think over the years, with the success that we've had, uh, you know, the one team don't want to be the team to let the ball down. You know, they want to keep it going. They want to take care of it. And, uh, you know, it, and it's an opportunity. I know in my eight years there as a head coach, we put over 50 kids at the next level playing, you know, opportunity to go to school and play football for free. So they, they see that, and they see it as an opportunity to get out and, and get an education. So, uh, you know, they, they, they really love it. And you can go by that school any time of the day and a lot of times at night, and there's somebody out on that field doing something. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, a lot of kids see it as a way out. And, but it hasn't always been that, you know, there's a lot of players coming out of Jones County that go to junior college and sometimes work their way up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. But during this particular time, the shift was that you started to get a lot of Division One attention from freshman year with uh, Keon Howell and Avius Cooley. Uh, it did. So what was the shift there? Those, those two uh, kind of kicked it off. You know, Keon and, and Octavius, when they were ninth graders, I can still remember uh, Memphis offering those two young as ninth graders. Had never even seen them play. Uh, and I was I was kind of new to the, the recruiting game myself at that level. And, and uh, But from that point on, Man, it was it took off, and, and once you get that flow of coaches coming in because they know there's athletes there, it just sets the stage up. Uh, when they come to watch those guys, they see somebody else, and they they're keeping an eye on them, and it's just a revolving door at that point. Now you're right because now I remember currently um, Malik Ellis. Mm-hmm. I remember he was a freshman lineman coming behind Charles Cross. Right. And he might have been six four, six five, but he was only like two hundred pounds <laughs> yeah. when he got his first SEC offer. It was crazy. Um, well, but I, like- I think a, a lot of people are looking at Malik in the same mirror they saw Charles Cross because Charles was thin at that age too. Uh, yeah. both of those kids their mannerisms are the same, their play style is the same, they wear the same number. And uh you know Malik's going to get that poundage added on to him. He's going to be a spectacular player. Of course, he committed to Mississippi State yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Charles was the same way coming through high school. He was lean, a basketball player, um, could dunk the basketball, and then they just put the weight on him. But he's still lean even now. 
Yeah. Uh, but talk about that because during your era, the kids were dual sport athletes. Um, yeah. You know, you didn't just have football players. Half of the basketball team, the basketball team could barely get started until football season was over. Yeah. So talk That's, about that mentality. We concentrated on training the athlete, not the player. And, uh, you know, I thought that uh, we worked well together with, with kids playing multiple sports and, and uh, it, it showed it, it just makes an athlete better, more versatile, and it, it improves their skill set from sport to sport. And again, it goes back to create the better athlete. And that better athlete will take over the better sport player uh, when, it, when it gets crunch time. And it's been proven that it works. Uh, it's great for the kids to be able to do as much as they can. And, and uh, it, you know, but the bottom line is to enjoy your high school experience because. You know, you're not training everybody to go for, to go to the NFL or NBA. Uh, you're trying to create young men and and uh, give them an opportunity to enjoy their high school career. Yeah, and sports have, and especially in this area, been a way to keep some some instances really keep kids focused with school. Um, and I know there's been plenty instances where if the kid actually didn't have a ball, they probably would not be motivated um, to show up sometimes. Uh, but it still gives an opportunity for that person to get an education and even possibly go to a higher level. We don't want it to have to be that sports is your only way. But if in an instance where it is your ticket, then you want to try to make the most out of it. Absolutely. If it saves one and puts them in college, that's worth $70,000. So uh, I've seen it over and over when you have a kid that's you know, not motivated academically, but he is athletically. And if he wants to go play, he's got to get that academics. And, you know, they, they think most of them figure it out later, but the, the, our job is to get them there. And from there they have to take over and, and do it on their own. But, but uh, you, you know, you use whatever, just like splitting a kid with a notebook, you got to use whatever tools you got to get them to where they need to be. Absolutely. I like that analogy. Um, so this season alone, um, there are four players two that went to the combine, two that are also draft eligible with good possibilities of at least getting drafted or picked up as a free agent in one draft class. Talk about how unusual that is, you know, for Jones County, for Laurel. That was just good coaching. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a, again, it's a testament to those kids, the way they work, you know, uh, people see those young men and I know they're men now, uh, but to me, they're goofy ninth graders. They always will be. And because uh, I remember all the stories, you know, I got the memories inside the field house. Most people see what happens out on the field and uh, the, the private conversations and all that we've had. And and uh, it, it's, it's almost like being a proud father to watch them go on and be successful. And, you know, and it's uh, but it's very unusual to have this many in one class. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like lightning in a bottle, you know. I've made a comment over the last couple of years after looking at these guys and their careers taking off the way they have. I've, I've, I've made a comment. Thank God we won it at least once, but I'd look really, really bad if we didn't. So yeah, I thought you were a great coach. And then now <laughs> that you have approximately seven kids who mm -hmm. will have been in the NFL or very, very close to the NFL in a five year span. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk about I want to kind of break down each player. Like you said, you got all the stories behind them. But let's start off with the sleeper in this class, 
uh, Jalen Thigpen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's came through, went to JUCO um, at Southwest, and then finished up at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, but talk about him. Well, perfect example of, and I've used his name to my kids now a lot lately, is you never know who's watching. And Jalen was a really, really good high school football player. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the strongest. What he did was study the game, and he knew what to do, and he worked hard, and he didn't take a playoff. And just so happened the night that Southwest Community College was there, he had, again, go back to lightning in a bottle. He had a tremendous game that night, and and they offered him coming off the field, and and uh, he took it and it went and developed. But, you know, you never know what at what moment somebody's going to be watching and you don't – he didn't even know they were there. And uh, he just had a spectacular night, and and he took advantage of the situation. And, and now, you know, I think he led the HBCUs and in interceptions this year. And uh, if he's not selected in the draft, I feel real sure he'll be invited to a camp in the preseason. So, you know, we're awful proud of him. He's really the one that nobody saw it coming. Absolutely. And, you know, Akeem Davis, who is a big part of this discussion as well, um, who's been on this show, but he always says, you know, you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And the point right. that you just made, he didn't even know that there were recruiters there possibly looking at him. Um, and that's when he got offered. But I remember him from high school going to these camps, going to these combines. Like you mentioned, he was a good high school football player, but defense was very underrated at your school. You know, you were putting up 45, 48 points a game. Really? pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the defense. They had to make one or two stops a game, but the offense was going to carry the, the squad most days. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad they're back there, though. Uh, you know, Jalen yeah, yeah, yeah. just just made plays. Uh, he, he, he would make plays, and I would say, wow, you know, because, again, going back to the high school level, he wasn't the most athletic on the field. Uh, but he, that kid worked, and he's a perfect example of working hard and dedicating yourself to it. Uh, he, he always believed in it, and then it would happen, and and uh, it's happening. So I'm, I'm hats off to him. I'm, I'm proud of him, and I can't yeah. wait to see what it, where it carries him. Yeah, and let's mention. So at the same time, in the secondary is a current NFL player, um, Bo Pete Keys. So mm-hmm. he was in that same secondary at that time. Went on to play. Uh, his college career at Tulane and currently with the Chicago Bears. So uh, there you go. Two yeah. draft or two NFL caliber from the defense. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna talk about Bo a minute. You know, he's he's one of those dual sport athletes that came out as a junior. Uh was a just a long rangey skinny kid, didn't know anything about football. Thought he was gonna be pretty good. He gets a high ankle sprain and misses seven weeks and then comes out and Basically, East Mississippi signed him as a senior on potential. Uh, So he had not had a lot of quality games, you know, at that point. And, again, being in the right place at the right time, a new staff comes into Tulane and they're watching another kid from another school play against us and they see him on film. They called me in the middle of the summer. Next thing you know, I got him in New Orleans and he's a Tulane Greenway. Being in the right place at the right time. Right place at the right time. So let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, let's talk about Keon Howard. I mean, he came in as a young kid, really. Um, and as they say, got the keys to the offense. And 
yeah. following on the legacy of Dontrell Pruitt, following on the legacy of Akeem Davis. Uh, quarterbacks in this in Laurel have been the leaders, not only in the school, but also in the city. So just kind of talk about Keon and how he was special. Yeah. Uh, question was, is he going to be a quarterback or a linebacker coming out of eighth grade? Because <laughs> he was the biggest one on the field. And, uh, of course, he – you know, I go back to Keon as a – coming out of diapers. You know, he grew up across the street from the field house. And there were times I'd have to hide my vehicle because if he saw us there, he was going to come over and aggravate us to death. But he wanted to be a tornado in elementary school. I, I had to go speak to him in the second grade about some trouble he was getting into in elementary. And, and uh, but watch him grow and mature and – He's, you know, in my 28 years on the field, he's one of the best leaders I've ever been around. And, and again, what you said, on and off the field, he's a great community guy. But uh, he, he's he's a hard worker. And i tell you a story. Uh, in his freshman year, of course, his first two passes as a high school quarterback were pick sixes. I don't know if that's, that's a trivia right. question or not. But uh, he, he came along and we played for South State Championship in his first year as a starter. And I, I went out to the field on Friday morning because we're out of school. And I looked out the window and he's out there playing the game in his head at, at like nine o'clock in the morning. And I knew at that point, uh, this kid is going to be special. And he, and he was. Wow. So as you mentioned, South state, which is really in Mississippi, the state semifinals and you guys went how many years in a row? Five. Five years in a row. Yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, it was literally expected. No, I know. <laughs> you weren't – yeah, weren't winning 10, 12 games a year. The, the coach is in the hot seat. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, speaking about the wide receivers that he has, we know Dontario Drummond is in this year's draft class coming out of Ole Miss, um, also a, a JUCO product through East Mississippi. But at the same time, he had Omar Bayless on the other side of the field and Octavius Cooley, um, both Division One prospects and division one players so just kind of talk about all the talent on the offensive side again we don't realize that until now you know yeah. we're coaching those kids we know they're we know they're good and uh but having those three and you, you throw in Taquad Ulmer as the fourth guy I mean that was pretty pretty lethal combination and and uh they they made us look really smart on Friday nights but each one of them had a different characteristic you know they played different styles and and uh, you could go on and on about them, but uh, you know most schools don't have one player of their caliber. And we were fortunate enough to have three out there that you know made it to that level. But uh, Don Terrio, you know, trivia question on him: He's the only player in, in history ever been a state championship MVP in football and basketball in the same year. So he's another one of those examples that you can be and play and do anything you want to do. Uh, but he, he was probably the uh, strongest, most fluid of, of the receivers. A lot of their game is carried to where they are now. And uh, uh, you've, you've seen the way he made plays at Ole Miss. Uh, just very so fluid. Almost looks like he's floating on the field. But he has enormous hands. He's, he's country strong. And, uh, you know, I know his 40 time at the combine was a 4.65, but I think if the guy's chasing him at 4.5, he's a 4.49. He's a little bit faster than the guy chasing him, but but uh, he he's, you know, he's got it sitting in front of him. He'll get into a camp and and uh, perfect his route running, and he, he's got a good future ahead of him. 
Yeah, he's produced at every level. I mean, he led um, Juco and receiving and then had a, a stellar season this year at Ole Miss as well. And like you said, just body control and fluid and never looks like he's working hard and hey, always had uh, – He used to drive me nuts in practice. He would catch balls one-handed because of his enormous hands. And he yeah. would do it just to make me mad, you know. But then he'd do it on Friday night, and I wouldn't be mad about it. But he'd do it just to aggravate me in practice. That, right, that whole right. group was was clownish in that way. Yeah. So I always said I never saw a player track a ball like Omar Bayless. I mean, he would literally – you would throw it to the outside <laughs> wherever, and he would go get it. And then for – you mentioned just different talents. Octavius Cooley had to be the biggest, strongest – wide receiver yeah. that I ever saw on a high school field. Yeah. I, you know, and sometimes when I, I still remember the first ball he caught as a ninth grader in, in practice and it was a slant and, you know, he, he made that catch and we were all kind of like, wow. And then his last catch ever as a, as a tornado uh, was against Wayne County in the playoffs. And of course we lost that game, but he caught it and went for about 90 yards, and he's, you know, he's 260 pounds, and he's still out running an entire 5A playoff team, you know. And, I'm again, I said the same thing I'd said four years earlier. Wow, look at that. I mean, that's unbelievable. But, yeah, I, at times I wondered if I was supposed to play him at right tackle. Uh, you know, if we'd been more of a tight end team, he would have been that tight end. But he was still, even at his size, he was so much faster. And I just couldn't move him in if he's still out running people. So we left him out there, and he certainly was a matchup nightmare. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, how fast is he? He's fast enough that he doesn't get caught from behind. Well, if the you did story, catch him from behind, he's going to drag you for a while. So it's fine. Right. Yeah, so that's the one story I remember against Brookhaven. Um, mm -hmm. Ed Lowell, he runs a slant. Number one, he catches it with one hand about the 30-yard line. And somebody within two or three yards, somebody immediately jumps on his back. He carries that one person about 10 yards before somebody else jumps on him. And then about the five-yard line, they both just fall off of him, and he walks into the end zone. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> but he did that night in and night out. Yeah. And uh, But I, when you go back and speak about Omar, he may be the most intelligent player I coached out of that group. Uh, very mature. You know, sometimes as coaches, we we put on a show at practice. You know, we may uh, try to get their attention a little bit and uh, raise our voice a little bit, and, you know, just try to create some tension and anxiety. And then whenever I did that, I never could make eye contact with Omar because he knew what I was doing. He was that smart, and he would make me laugh. So I wouldn't even look at him. And uh, But Omar, when it got time when you needed a play, uh, you threw the coverages out the window. You didn't worry about what they were doing. You want to know where Omar was, just get him the football, and he'll make it happen. He was that guy. He was the guy you go find when you needed to play. Yeah, and he uh, was a standout athlete and receiver at Arkansas State, and mm -hmm. then uh, spent some time with Carolina Panthers. And Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Great, great. Now, we've talked about all of this talent. However, Charles Cross – I remember when he was in, I believe, the 10th grade, you came to me and said, this is the best football player I've ever coached. And yeah. I was like, an offensive lineman, really? <laughs> you know, but after you told me that, I started to pay attention, especially his senior year, the way he finished plays 15 yards down the field, um, the way that his body work and how fluid he was and just how dominant. And this showed, I mean, I think his junior year, he went from being a three-star athlete to a five-star athlete 
over one summer. So just kind of talk about Charles. Well, in my entire career of coaching, he's the only player that checks every box on and off the field. Uh, you know, the only knock that we ever had on him was his weight. You know, he just wasn't heavy enough to be that big guy. You know, he was long and rangy, but he was thin. Uh, you know, a story, I almost moved him to tight end his junior year. And I, I just waited a little bit. But I didn't think he was going to put the weight on. Uh, you know, he was a, a big-time basketball player. Uh, you know, and going back, talking about those dual sport athletes, I think basketball may have as much influence in his success right now as football did because – you know, he was up there working on his footwork, running up and down that floor and doing the things that basketball players do. If you look out now at his position, he may have the best feet, you know, coming out of the draft this year. And a lot of that's what he learned in the gym. And, uh, you know, so – but he – a lot of times during that era, Coach Price, the basketball coach and myself, we would have kids that, that would – pit us against each other. They get mad at me and want to quit and go play basketball. They get mad at him and want to quit and come play football. And we would, we just wouldn't allow it. We wouldn't allow kids to do that. And, but the summer of Charles's junior year, he told me, he said, coach, I'm not going to play basketball this year. And I said, bull. I said, you're getting your butt back up in that gym. We're not going to start that. But the next day, Marcus brought him to the field house and said, Braylon, he needs to stay in here. You know, so Marcus kind of gave up a little bit because he knew what this kid needed to get to you know maximize that potential. And uh, it worked out. He put on about 30 pounds. And of course he's put on a bunch more now, but it got him to where he needed to be. Uh, but he is just extraordinary leader on and off the field. He, he's, you know, there's no character issues. There's no grade issues. He's just wise beyond his years. And, you know, his football talent speaks for itself, but, but if you want to go through a recruiting nightmare, get you a five-star left tackle, and uh, you will never rest. Yeah, yeah. So everybody wants a piece of that, right? Oh, my goodness. It was wild. Yeah, yeah. But like I mentioned, he was three-star going into that summer, right? Mm-hmm. So how did he go that quickly from, you know, three-star to five-star? The weight. When he started putting the weight on, uh, that was kind of what everybody was telling me. Coach, we really love him. We got to see if he puts, you know, he needs about 20 pounds. You know, he just, we, we love him, but we love him, right. but, and that was, I mean, physically, he just wasn't going to be able to match up in the SEC. And uh, there at the last minute, you know, he, 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 when he put it on and I started letting him know that he was around 270, and that's when it started popping. And I think he had 36 Division I offers. Wow. But you brought up a good point. We see great athletes all the time. Uh, Levi Walker, mm-hmm. uh, just athletes with tremendous talent. But if you don't check the boxes that these right. colleges, you're going to have to prove yourself on the field. A lot of times through the junior college ranks. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. I I wish I could go to that level to recruit some of these kids that I know uh, that got left out because of a not quite tall enough or not quite fast enough. I mean, I mean, you just. Uh, Give them a chance, man, because, you know, the same thing was talked about Don Trail. He's just not tall enough to be a quarterback. Uh, have one coach try to get him to play defensive back, and I said, mm He's never taken a defensive snap in his life. But now you look at years later, you got Kyler Murray in the NFL, you know, at 5'10". You know, but back then in 2011, 5'10 quarterbacks didn't make it out, you know, and 
Don Trail may be the most talented quarterback that I coach as far as all the tools, footwork, arm strength, and all that. But at five ten, he was just left out of the loop. Uh, yeah. But times are changing. But you know, I, Levi Walker got a scholarship when the Northwest ranking um, Northwest uh, Community College coach walked in and saw him dunk a basketball and almost stuck his elbow in the rim. And that's when he offered him, you know, just five, nine, <laughs> five, nine. Yeah. Just put his elbow in the rim. I said, there you go. That's what I was telling you. And, right. uh, but sometimes you know, those things aren't measured by coaches and uh, we see it, you know, we see it on a daily basis and, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah. So, on uh, timeout with the sports doctor, this is your final timeout. So, like you've mentioned, you've coached these high-caliber athletes. You've coached all-star teams, you know, Mississippi all-star teams. And you've seen kids make it and kids not make it. And a lot of it's by chance, as we just talked about. Um, but what you, as a coach and as someone who talks to recruits a lot, what is it that is a make or break for a kid that they will not touch? They Grades obviously academics and uh that's the number one but the number th the top three questions i get are what are their grades what other sports do they play and what is their family life that's the top three questions of course they start talking about character and all that but uh it's got to be about academics first and and i will say this i took my horn that all these kids we've talked about today every one of them have a degree and uh that's what i that's the only thing i asked them the promise that they would get and uh, I don't think Charles is maybe, maybe he hadn't finished his yet, but he'll he'll be able to go back and finish it. But and he may be done. I don't know. But he uh, that, that's the most important thing because you think about this in perspective that if you have an NFL Hall of Fame career, a Hall of Fame, if you play ten years, you're going to be thirty three years old and retired. And what what are you going to do now? You know. And uh, so you you got to have that degree, and that's that's uh. That's what I want them to go get beyond football. I could care less how many snaps they get. Uh, just promise me you'll get a degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for what you do. And like you said, for welcoming me to this community. And, you know, I look forward to continue to work with you. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for all the support that you're giving this podcast. Um, if this podcast is adding you value, or please leave a five-star rating and review and give me feedback. You can go to my website at drderekthesportsdoctor.com. Um, on the website, you're able to give me verbal feedback or testimonials about how this show is impacting you uh, via voicemail, or you could also uh, send a message. And if you're interested or know someone who might be interested in being a guest on this show, they can also figure, fill out a form that says register as guest on the website and we will contact you uh, to discuss it further so thank you uh, for everyone who continues to support this podcast uh, we are growing only because of your support and as long as you will continue to support us we will continue to give you episodes that hopefully will enhance your life so have a good week and be blessed